0: Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 42, titled, Five Surprising Sources of Grief. When we first think of grief, we usually think of death. There are people who have grief hierarchies, placing death at the top as the most worthy grief event of our attention. But I'm not that person. While death is disruptive, it's often also peaceful. Basically, grief is nuanced, complicated, and capable of being many things to many people, including sneaky. So this week, I'm going to help you recognize places in your own life where grief may be hiding in plain sight. Ask anyone grieving the loss of a loved one, and they will tell you it is the most complicated pain a person can experience. The brain quietly tucks away the reality of the death, allowing them to survive the loss and figure out a new way to forge ahead. While we know loss is not only experienced after death, we must address the grief that enters our lives in surprising ways. Without restoration in these hidden areas, we will fail to gain the emotional intelligence required to support ourselves through future losses. So the first place we may be surprised by grief is in our unmet expectations, Now, I'm not saying we should sit Shiva every time our favorite seasonal coffee drink is sold out, but I do want to emphasize the importance of acknowledging our disappointments and missed expectations. Like when we show up to a job interview, expecting to land the perfect position, or when we find out that our significant other no longer desires to be so significant, our expectations of a future with those details deserve to be mourned when they don't come to pass, It may seem obvious when a romantic relationship ends, but even the loss of a friendship online or in person can be completely unexpected and jarring. Disappointment, as simple as it may seem, can wear us out and eventually lead to low, damn near hopeless expectations for future connections and relationships. This is not a future of promise that we want. Speaking of promises, when they're broken, they can cause big, griefy emotions, and broken promises are a sneaky source of grief number two. Whether these are in the home, personal relationships, or even from politicians, a promise is a promise, and we put our hope in that. Believing we can take someone at their word and then learning otherwise takes that hope placed and dashes it against the pavement. A broken promise breaks trust and leads to insecurity. And grieving the trust once carried in a relationship is how we become trusting again for future relationships. Ignoring the grief or pretending we're fine is another mode of denial that can rob us from the opportunity to grow into a new relationship or even to repair the one at risk. The third surprising source of grief is workplace tension. Workplace tension creates so much unspoken pain because not only is our personhood on the line, but our livelihood as well. Being the person who identifies the dysfunction or dangerous work environment can have major unintended repercussions. And to be perfectly clear, it is never okay that a person demanding a safe environment at work is placed at greater risk of trauma. Grieving your autonomy in the workplace and personal convictions as they become minimized or even dismissed by coworkers or your boss, it's necessary to prevent our character from being diminished as well. This is also the methodology we can stand on to push back against injustice, abuse, and work-based tension that is causing danger to others. But we must also learn to identify the areas of the field we work in that may be triggering unresolved grief from previous arenas in our life. The fourth surprising source of grief is one we all carry and hate to admit because it feels awkward to grieve at a graduation or a wedding. Grief over celebratory moments is often attributed to the lack of a specific person being present at the celebration. However, when we are in these public spaces of celebration, maybe something we don't have or something we lack or an unmet expectation is just coming to the surface and it's not something we can put to bed and just turn on the joy to celebrate. Like finishing a great novel, the end of everything must come. And the good and bad memories are not to be ignored. So in this moment where celebration is king, asking ourselves what we gain and believing in a hopeful future for ourselves allows us to reflect on our lives with fond remembrance rather than simply wishing for the good old days or living with regrets or avoiding the celebrations altogether. I believe it is quite common to find newly married couples carrying tremendous grief for their single life, previously unencumbered by sharing a bed or a budget with someone else. And lastly, the fifth surprising source of grief is entertainment, media, and politics. You could even add social media to that list in general if you wanted to. Grieving over the loss of a celebrity or a fictional character is completely expected. We relate to them, and we see ourselves reflected in their stories. We take their stories personally, and when they are lost to us, we deserve to grieve that. Pretending otherwise just builds a wall between our hearts and our emotions. And mocking anyone who is experiencing that heaviness is a really interesting decision because it says more about you doing the mocking than the person who is actually experiencing their feelings. If you find that you are seeking happy comedic entertainment only and fully avoiding anything that does not explicitly carry quote good vibes, there's a chance you might be in denial about grief on some level. I know that's true for me. I can't tell you how many times I have rewatched Brooklyn Nine-Nine because my brain just needs respite. And it's not a bad thing, but becoming aware of this state of mind can be what leads you toward a path of restoration. Recognizing the trauma of the world around you, locally and globally, and understanding how changes impact your immediate life and heart is how we become engaged citizens. And that's important for all of us to heal. Understanding another's sorrow creates empathy, and that crucial tool helps us manage our own grief as well. Recognizing grief as it manifests in every one of these areas would be ideal. But since we do not live in idealism, It can be helpful to set aside time to become physically quiet and reflect on places and times in our lives that may feel unsettled or ungrieved. As a teenager, I remember sobbing hysterically when Frank Sinatra passed away. I'd actually lost my grandfather earlier that same year, and we were so close. And after I studied Frank's music for so long as a jazz musician myself, his death felt so personal. Taking the time to genuinely grieve the loss of an icon also helped me walk through the sorrow of losing my grandfather as well. It would be simple to explain away my tears for Sinatra as a simple trigger from my grandfather's loss, but minimizing my sorrow as a simple trigger dismisses the importance as real arenas of life where real emotions need attention. Usually we look for closure to end our suffering, but truly closure may not be available what we really need is restoration. The idea of closure leads us to believe that grief has to come to an end for our future to be transformed. But anyone who has received an explanation for their loss still experiences the weight of grief. Answering the why doesn't actually change much, if anything. This is normal, necessary, and powerful to recognize as we progress in our grief process. The pursuit of restoration rather allows us to expand our life around the grief we experience as we navigate the complexity of it and learn to live with our losses by integrating them into our story rather than pushing them to the edges and pretending they don't exist. Reconciling our own actions in the event of a loss, such as a breakup or even in a professional setting, restores our perspective. We play a role in our own lives, an active role if we choose. This removes the concept of blame and instead allows us to engage responsibility for how we change our own future regarding any of these types of losses. We must avoid placing blame on ourselves in the face of a death too. It's far too easy within the grief process to rationalize or play the if-only game. Between denial, anger, and depression, self-blame takes a front row seat as we attempt to understand the pain without the tools to distance ourselves from the responsibility of causing that pain. More often, we want to avoid and ignore the heavy emotions like this or even the questions they bring up. But what if we chose instead to allow each of those questions and emotions to have their time and then ask compassionate questions of ourselves? I believe that in that we will find the truth of restoration that allows us to grow around the pain and find integration instead of trying to bring it to finality and pretend it no longer matters. Grief never leaves us because it's an emotion, but the act of grieving can stop. In the meantime, we learn to expand our emotional intelligence and self-compassion to move through the sorrow. When we hold space for curious questions about our responses, allow ourselves to feel the full force of our grief and sit with trusted others who hold space for us without judgment, we will release a layer of sorrow that makes room for the layers of peace. Thank you for listening to episode 42 of Restorative Grief. The more time we invest in recognizing signs of grief in ourselves, the easier it will be to see it in others And that allows us to respond with honor and compassion instead of correction or minimizing. If you're new to Restorative Grief, I want to thank you for listening and welcome to the Restorative Grief family. Please take a minute to subscribe for our weekly episodes, new each Sunday, and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify podcast platforms. Those are exactly where those reviews help because that helps others find this work. You are also hereby invited to become a premium subscriber to this podcast for a generous $4.99 a month. You gain access to bonus content, including exclusive interviews, Q&A coaching sessions, guided meditations, and more. The restorative grief model is entering year two, and it needs your financial support to continue. So if you are in a space that financial support is possible, your generosity is greatly appreciated. And if not, that's okay. Keep checking in each week to get what you need, take what serves you and leave the rest. But before we go, one last thing, please remember the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.